Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Revelation chapter 10, verse 1. And chapter 10 is a chapter that contains the uh, the story, the account of a mighty angel having a little book with his uh, right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the land. Holding in his left hand an open book. And then the, the latter portion, uh, it, uh, the uh, chapter 11, which is a continuation of the interlude, the, the, uh, the parenthetical portion, the account between the six and seven seals, you have the uh, angel commissioning John to measure uh, the temple and its worshipers. And then uh, the account of the two witnesses, their death and their, uh, their rapture. And then the 11th chapter concludes uh, with the, uh, the, the 11th chapter, verse 14, concludes the intermission and then we have the seventh trumpet. And that's what we'll try to will be our assignment for tonight to cover these two chapters. Now, <clears throat> these two chapters are inserted between the sixth seal and the seventh seal. I mean the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. In the between the sixth and seventh seal we had the had a uh, interlude. We had a parenthetical portion which dealt with the 144,000 and the uh, great multitude. Now, in that uh, 144,000 and that great multitude from the Gentiles, we have the same. Uh, we have. Practically the same message in the 10th and 11th chapters as we have between that intermission, between that interlude. That is, it's the same thought. The 144,000, the main idea was that God had 12,000 people out of each of the 12 tribes that were his servants. There were not so many that had to be saved or that needed the gospel preached to them in order that they might become children of God. He had that many servants, and that many servants must be sealed, a sign of protection and preservation, before the four angels could unloose, turn loose the winds of judgment upon the earth. They had to be sealed in their heart. All right? And
And there was, and the second picture there represented that great multitude having uh, been safely conveyed through the tribulation. Right now, in the parenthetical portions uh, in chapter 10 and 11, uh, we'll, we'll have something very similar, especially in chapter 11. But in chapter 10, verse 1 says, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot upon the earth. And he cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roared. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven, and the things that therein, and the earth, and the things uh, that therein are, and the sea, and the things which are therein, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Now, let's stop there for a little while. This account of a person that is described, called here in in the book, is described as an angel, a mighty angel. Nowhere in the book of Revelation is Jesus called a mighty angel. And uh, there are those that uh, believe that this angel is the Son of God. Uh, and they use the descriptions. Now, it's certainly true that uh, being clothed uh, with a cloud, a rainbow upon his head, his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Now, these descriptions uh, coincide with Daniel's description in the 7th and ninth chapters, and also uh, in uh, harmony with John, with what John saw in chapter one of Revelation. Uh, but that doesn't uh, the, but that's not conclusive, though they are weighty uh, statements concerning to prove that it refers to Jesus and that there was a rainbow upon his head. Uh, but now. There are some things uh, that uh, override, uh, to me, that override the, uh, the, the statement that this is Jesus. And uh, first of all, uh, he 
the, the, and the main, the main point is that this angel with his right foot upon the sea and the left foot upon the earth and the book in his left hand swore by the one that created heaven and all things that are in heaven and the earth and all things in the earth and the sea and all things that are therein. Now, uh, God, uh, you know, when, uh, with reference to Abraham, when uh, God swore to Abraham, who did God swear by? The scriptures tell us that uh, that God couldn't swear by any greater, so he swore by himself. In other words, if this if this had been God, if this had been the Son of God, he wouldn't have sworn by the one that created heaven and earth. See, in other words, he wouldn't uh, swore uh, this oath would be inappropriate because uh, Christ uh, has uh, life, the same life that God has, not a derived life. It's not a life that God gave it. Now, Jesus uh, gave life to as many, eternal life, to as many as the Father had given him. But it didn't give Jesus the authority in the life because at one time in his life he didn't possess that life. He always possessed that. That's the reason why I say it's not derived. It's not uh, it's not something that he has that he didn't always have. So, uh, uh, that's, and then the fact that in the book of Revelation, Jesus is not called an angel, uh, referred to as an angel. And over 60 times, the word angel, and not counting the word angel to the churches of, uh, of Ephesus, and that is the churches of Asia Minor, the seven churches, you know where it says, and unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, unto the angel, I'm not talking about that reference, those references. Uh, there are no, and of course, mean, uh, a Christ there, but, but anyway, alright, now, so who is he? Uh, apocalyptic literature always telling you who he is. And when we get down here to, uh, uh, a little further about these voices, you know. Uh, he heard seven, uh, the, uh, seven, the voices, the, the seven voices. In other words, these seven angels sounded. It's a definite group of angels, and there were seven of them. And when they sounded, they uttered their voices, thunders. It thundered, the thunder rolled, and John began to see, and he saw things. And uh, what he saw, well, he thought he was supposed to write down. That's what God told him. He said, now, what thou seest, write in the book, didn't he? Well, he was just obeying what God said. And he started writing. And the Lord said, oh, hold up there, voice says, don't write that. Seal it up. Well, how can you seal up something you hadn't written? But seal up is a word in the uh, used uh, with reference to books like Daniel. When Daniel finished his prophecy, God said, seal it up to the time of the end. All right. Uh, uh, seal up means to uh, uh, not reveal. Don't say anything about it. Don't write it. 
Because he hadn't written anything. He started to write. Now, if you want somebody to tell you what the Bible says about things that's not written in Revelation, just ask the seven-day Adventist. He can tell you what these seven thunders are. That old, uh, that old gal, Sister White, man, she, she's got a whole, uh, a book on the voices of the, uh, these seven angels. And, if you wanna, if you want to know what the Bible, what, where God says something in the Bible, where, uh, where it don't mean what it says, all you gotta do is ask all the others. Uh, he'll tell you what it doesn't mean. He'll never tell you what it means. But the Seventh-day Adventist uh, will tell you what the silences are and what God, what these voices were. Well, uh, so this angel, though, this mighty angel, standing, now this is an earthly scene. Up to now, apparently, see, John had been, uh, in chapter 4, tell him, come up hither and I'll show you things that's going to take place hereafter. But now then, he says, and I saw another mighty angel come down. Well, that seems to say, if you was going to use that language, and uh, uh, and you were in heaven, would you say, uh, I saw him come down? Or would you say him descend? See? Uh, the, the word seems to suggest that John is upon the earth. In chapter 10, and chapter 11, in vision, in spirit, he's back on earth. He's still, he's still having uh, the same, uh, supernatural experience as he had when he, uh, in vision, as he had when he, in heaven. Remember, John bodily never did leave the Isle of Atmos. Uh, he was just caught up in spirit. But now, he, his vision, is from the earth point of view instead of being in heaven. And he sees this mighty angel come down. He's put one foot. At, and you know that foot of that angel, it was just the, it, it, it was just as solid foundation on the sea as it was on the land. He had his right foot upon the sea, left foot upon the earth. And, and, and he didn't, and he didn't have to put most of his weight on the left foot. Because he wasn't in danger of sinking. Now this was, uh, this angel, uh, whoever he might be, whatever archangel, if, if there are more than one archangel, whatever that might be, he is an angel of God, he's a mighty angel, he's angel of ministry, and he's an angel doing God's will. And, and he sent, uh, in this vision, uh, for a purpose. Alright? Uh, John says in, uh, says when he saw that, uh, and this angel cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roared. Now he, he's fixing to speak. But when he cried, when John interrupts, he's interrupted. His vision is interrupted. He's interrupted by a voice. Notice. Uh, by the seven, uh, and cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, 
and write them out. Now, <clears throat> so, uh, well, uh, it's only natural for men, uh, especially of a doubting, uh, if you got a little doubt instinct in him or a little skepticism, well, why did the Lord give him the vision in the first place? Why did he let him see what he couldn't write? Well, if you're reasonable now with the same objective, and there's nothing wrong with asking that kind of question. Uh, Paul, in the Second Corinthians, chapter 12, uh, had two experiences, just like John was having in, uh, in the book of Revelation. Paul was caught up, not in body, but in vision. He was caught up to. The preposition is up to, up to as far as a certain point, a given point, a given destination. He didn't enter into, but he was called up to heaven. And then his other vision, he was called up into paradise and heard things that was unlawful for him to utter. In other words, uh, Paul was going to write about that, see? Paul was going to talk about what he heard. And and the Lord says, no, uh, not so. See? In other words, there, there was the same seal on Paul as there was here on, on John. So, uh, what does this indicate? It indicates that there are a lot of things in the future that are going to have a reality that's not even recorded in the book of Revelation. Now, and, and it may be on the basis of judgment. Because the, notice the, uh, these are seven angels. The seven voices, the seven thunders uttered their voices. Well, now, whenever it thunders in, in here, whenever the word thunder is used and lightnings and earthquakes, it's a premonition. It's the preliminary to judgment or to miraculous events that uh, is a result of God's judgment. It's showing they're impending. They're about to take place. Or they have taken place. And so it, it's altogether uh, possible that these seven forces are like the seven seals, are like the seven trumpets, are the seven bowls. There may be another series of seven that's going to take place, but but God says seal it up. You don't know what. Don't don't write that. John. It wasn't that John couldn't understand it. It wasn't that John didn't know what to write because, brother, he, he started writing, you see. All right. Then, uh, verse 5 says, The angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. Now, that's a gesture of solemnity. That's a gesture. Uh, uh, a gesture in itself that denotes uh, his dependence upon heaven or his worship, his adoration 
You see, his subjection, his authority is in heaven, and he's obedient thereto. And that's uh, another count um, uh, as it's used here. This angel uh, lifted up his uh, lifted up his hand heaven. Now, bound to be his right hand uh, because he says, uh, I mean, he mentions his right hand. Therefore, the book in his hand now is a book that's open. Uh, so he, he swear, verse six, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are. Now, now he, he's swearing by uh, pretty good authority. Anybody that has the authority and the power to everything in it, and the earth and everything in it, and the sea and everything in in the sea. <laughs> Uh, that, that, that's as far as you can go. He's swearing by heaven, you see, by God. Uh, alright, now what is it? Uh, what is it that he's gonna, uh, attack? what is it that he wants this affirmation and to be confirmed in? Uh, the latter portion of, uh, of verse 6 says, the things uh, that there should be delay no longer. Not time. That there should be delay no longer. It's not that this is the end of time. Now I told you I referred, you know, one day after we finished the, our study here that I heard a friendly Baptist minister preach on this and this was the end of time. No, it's not the end of time because we can go right along and the next two or three verses reveal events that's continuing. Eternity doesn't begin here. It's not a statement that uh, temporal, uh, transitory, or uh, time as it now is. In fact, I want a man to show me by the Bible where eternity is different from time. Did you ever think? Did you ever, did you ever think about it? About eternity, all right? We're going to live forever. But what does it mean to live forever? What does he turn to mean? It's just a continuation of time. It just means time no stop. It's just no end. See? Well, we say time uh, because we say, well, uh, uh, because we use it to denote uh, the end of seasons. Well, a season does end, you see. Comes to an end. Uh, and we, we make the statement uh, that uh, all good things, you know, sooner or later must have an end, come to an end. And on the basis of that, in fact, we even get very religious, and we sing, when the road is called up thunder, and time shall be no more. There'll never be a time when time will be no more. Not if you believe this book. This book uh, says that, uh, that uh, this angel is swearing by one who created the heavens and the earth. Now uh, he's uh, and what is he? What is he? What's the object? What's he announcing? He's saying the times come. There's no further postponements. There's no longer delays. There's no more delays in the sense that time, since there a period, he's bringing us up right to the time of the end. Now, he's not saying the end of time. 
but he's bringing us up to the last days. Now, uh, I think it would be helpful to uh, John 5.25 here. Uh, when, when Jesus says, uh, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear his voice. How, how much, how many minutes in that hour? The hour is coming. And now is. Well, is there one minute now and 59 minutes to come? Oh no. He's talking about a period of time. See? Not a point in time. Now, a point in time would lead you to the end. Could, I mean, if it was a point. See? A particular thing and that's it. That's not what the angel is saying. The angel is saying that there are, there are no uh, more delays. God's bringing his judgments. God's bringing his salvation. He's sealing the ones that he sealed, the 144,000, that great multitude. And then as we'll get into chapter 11, you, you'll find uh, a great host. Included in that. In other words, the, the, the time of the end is upon us. In other words, uh, he's, uh, the showdown, uh, is here. Uh, we say, well, uh, the jig's up. We don't mean that it's past, or it's going to be just at a certain thing, but we, by that we signify that all of these events that have been prophesied, we've brought them down. We're getting them down to the, to that hour. Now when he said the hour is coming and now is. Well that hour has been 2,000 years old. See? Uh, because the Lord is still uh, uh, God either through Christ or the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is the only instrumentality that God has in quickening the dead. In raising the dead. Uh, from sin, death and trespasses and sin, to life in Christ. There's no other instrumentality. It's the voice of God. It's a power that goes when God speaks, see. Now, the people heard Jesus speak, but yet they didn't hear him speak. They didn't hear the voice of God, see. Uh, the rest of the dead in the tombs, they didn't hear Lazarus speak. Uh, they didn't hear uh, Jesus speak when he spoke to Lazarus. When another dead person in that grave said, oh, well, I wish I could get up. And, and, it, and when God spoke to Lazarus, he came. It was a voice of command. It was a voice of authority. It was a voice of power. It was a voice of life. It was a living voice. Quickening voice. Quickened him. Made him alive. Where? In the same voice, don't you see? It went with him. All right. Now, uh, so, uh, the angel uh, uh, is swearing uh, and letting earth know, letting the churches of Asia Minor know uh, that uh, uh, that the days. Now notice verse seven. But in the days, you see that plural of the voice of the seventh angel. When he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared. 
to his servants, and by his servants, the prophets. Now, you need to read other translations. You always need to, uh, every time you read this verse, read it right over there in, in one of the uh, more acceptable uh, and, uh, and horrible translations of the Bible. Uh, and you'll uh, notice that the angel here, uh, he didn't say shall begin to sound, but in the days of the sound. See, in the first part he says, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall sound. This sound is going to be over a period of time, and it's n- and not a point of time. See? In other words, it's not just something said, and then that's it. But because the the days in which the things that he, God had prophesied by the prophets, they're going to come to pass. That's what he's, That's what he says here. He says, when he shall, see, when he shall sound in the days of his sounding, the mystery of God should be finished. What is the mystery of God? What is a mystery anyway in the Bible? A mystery is not uh, some hocus pocus something in the Bible. It's not some uh, 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 some something that's uh, uh, hid under a a bushel, and and you've got to have some key or something to interpret it. A mystery is something that only that we would not have known unless God had revealed it. Uh, in other words, it depends upon the revelation of God. Now, uh, Paul uses the term sixteenth chapter Romans. Uh, is a, uh, the latter portion is a good, uh, a good commentary on the mystery. Because, uh, dispensationalism has some funny ideas, uh, concerning the mysteries of God. Uh, but, uh, especially what they call the mystery of the church. They'll tell you that it wasn't made known by the prophets that the Old Testament knows nothing of the church, you see. See, the the backbone of dispensationalism is there are two people and they go from Genesis to Revelation. And that's Jew and the church. And uh, the the only thing that's going to be raptured is the church, not not Jews, not not Jews that lived in the Old Testament who were children of God. They won't be raptured. See? And the man you heard today, you won't, uh, you, you won't hear him tell you that the, the Old Testament saints will be raptured. Now, some of them do. Now, Newell is uh, unorthodox dispensations. And to my mind, the uh, one of the greatest teachers in dispensationalism, William R. Newell. He wrote uh, several books. Uh, his book on Romans, very good. Uh, and his, his book on uh, on Revelation is good. Uh, learn uh, many things from uh, Newell, but he uh, he uh, doesn't go along with it. Now, uh, in in chapter on this next 
Esther and Obed, uh, chapter 11, uh, he breaks with uh, dispensationalism. And he, he broke with dispensationalism on uh, Revelation 6 and 1. Uh, and two about the the white horse uh, rider of of the of this of the seal the first seal uh, he uh, he he believes uh, what I've been the same view uh, that I hold uh, and that it represents uh, the forces of God righteousness because throughout the book of Revelation the color white signifies uh, deity, signifies righteousness, it signifies purity, it signifies uh, acceptance by heaven uh, and uh, and honorable and something that is a gift or comes from God see, or is of God. Nowhere does the the, uh, color vary from from being of God or for God or something that's holy, righteous. So, uh, but uh, see, the usual dispensationalist view is that the white horse in uh, in, in Revelation six, uh, the first seal, is that's the Antichrist. He's dressing himself up like Christ, see, and he's trying to fool and he deceives the world and the nation. See. All right. Uh, now we uh, now we come to the mystery. Notice that the mystery of God should be finished, as He hath declared to His servants the prophets. Now uh, the things of the future. Well, that, that's what the, the mystery uh, has to do with all of God's teachings, what He said, what He's uh, what He's revealed to the prophets. Now that doesn't include. And it's possible that it includes the New Testament prophets, for there were prophets in the New Testament. Uh, and there were two kinds of prophets, uh, uh, in two, two grades or two classifications of prophets in the New Testament. But, uh, remember that at the time, uh, that John wrote this, uh, all of the other books of the Bible, New Testament, had been written. There were very few copies of the different books of the New Testament. And there was no such thing as a collection of all of the New Testament uh, uh, epistles and letters and books under one binding when John wrote this. But they were in existence. But John, uh, I I, I rather believe that John is referring to what God has said by the Old Testament prophets. Uh, and he says, now, uh, uh, that's going to uh, be fulfilled. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.